Uh, Take your Bibles uh, this morning to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're going to be in one uh, verse this morning, um, and we'll come back to John chapter 8, verse 13 and following next week. As Ben read just a few moments ago in John chapter 8, Jesus makes the statement, and he says there in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Light is an important part of, of life. If you look at the, um, the building uh, here and our remodel uh, here, both in the auditorium, as you walk through the school, you look at the gym, um, we made a priority of making everything lighter and brighter. And uh, there's a purpose behind that. But light is a priority and, uh, and it's an important part of our life. It's needed for things to grow. It's needed for us to see, it's even needed for energy, and if you come to my house, you'll find that it's needed for no apparent reason. I literally walk around our house turning off lights, and uh, I don't understand it. I learned a lot of things from my dad, and I used to get so frustrated when I would leave a room and come back into it, and it would be dark, and guess what? I have turned into my father. And um, I walk into every room, and there's nobody in that room, and so I turn the light off, and um, it frustrates my wife, because she will literally leave that room for 15 seconds, and in that 15 seconds, I will have made it in there and turned all the lights off, and she was planning on coming uh, back, back in there. So there's this battle over lights in our home, all right? We don't argue over much at all, but that electrical bill is a big deal to me, all right? And so there, lights are very important in life. And, you know, one tool that we often use to make a point is, is to, to teach or to teach a lesson is the, the tool of contrast. And in the Bible, there are many great contrasts. There's, uh, in life, there are many great contrasts. Uh, you'll see a contrast between that which is wet and dry, cold and hot, high and low. But all throughout the Bible, we see the contrast between light and and darkness. And the reason is, is that the world is a dark place. And the truth is, apart from God, there is no light. Going all the way back to the beginning of creation, we see that without God, there is no light. As in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And so we see before there was a sun, before there were stars, there was light. There's an important passage, relates to our topic today, found in 1 John chapter 1. And I want to read these verses, and you'll see why they're important in in a few moments. But In 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then 
based on everything we just told you about God and Jesus Christ and who he is, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So without God, there is no light. Now the Jews would have understood this. They would have known this from the Old Testament scriptures. And so they would have understood Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 12, when he says, I am the light. He's not talking about the sun. He's not talking about what brightens their day. He un- they understood the contrast between light and darkness, between God and and evil. Now, in the context here of John chapter 8, the Feast of Tabernacles had just ended. If you'll go back and study in Exodus chapter 13, we learn that God had provided a, a pillar of fire by night. He, he provided a cloud during the day that would guide his people. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be an amazing reminder to walk outside your tent or your dwelling place and, and to see that fire, understanding the, the presence of God? Understanding that God has provided and he protects us and he's there with us. How amazing that must have been. We in our hearts and lives when we accept the Spirit of the, the, excuse me, the Son of God as our Savior, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. And he guides us and protects us and teaches us. We have the Word of God that's there to help us. Listen, we can have the same confidence as they had that day when they would walk outside and see the cloud or that night when they would uh, see the, the blessing of, of the fire. Now the feast was celebrated in each year to remember what God had done and how he had blessed and led his people. But in the times of Christ, however, much of the religious ceremonies had become rituals. Religion had become formal and empty, and, and they had lost sight of the meaning, much like many of the holidays that we celebrate today. Holidays are, are a big deal. And there are certain holidays that we celebrate in the church, uh, remembering Christ and who he is and what God did for us and bringing Christ and offering to all the gift of, of salvation. But you know, holidays take a lot of preparation, don't they? It's amazing how much preparation goes into it. And then you think about the hours or even the, the days after you open the presents, There's great anticipation, there's great worry, there's great fear, did I get the right present? There's great turmoil over having to get the present, and there's great work that goes into the preparation of the food and gathering together. There's all this cleanup afterward, and then there's just, there's this time. All the anticipation is over, all the excitement is is done with. Think about those days between Christmas and and New Year's or Christmas and school starting back. All right, it's all finished. Now let's send the kids back to school and let's get back to, to, to to normal life. The festival was over and the candlesticks that were lit to celebrate were put out. And things now would be getting back to order. In Jerusalem, people would begin to make their way back home. And Christ here finds himself with a group of Pharisees again. And this is what he says. I am the light of the world. There are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John pointing to the deity of Christ. We saw a while back in John chapter 6 when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Here in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We'll see in weeks or maybe even months to come in chapter 10, I am the door. And then in chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. In chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life in chapter 14. And then in chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. We can read these statements very quickly in our day and age and in our time in the church. But when Jesus made the statement, I am, and then he added on to it, those that knew the Old Testament scriptures, those that knew the God of the Old Testament, those that knew the God that created this world and that um, brought forth the nation of Israel, that knew the scriptures, they understood what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, I am God. And as God is light, so I am the light of the world. Remember, Jesus is now in a time period of conflict with the religious leaders moving up to the day when he'll go and die on the cross for your sin and for my sin and and for the sin of the whole world. But now we have another day and the feasts are over and and, and life is moving on. Jesus finds himself in a group here and and maybe they're just going to get back to normal life. And Jesus tells them, I'm the light of the world. I want you to understand, when you receive Christ as your Savior, when you come to understand who he is and what he did on the cross for you, you can't just go back to normal life. Your life changes forever. Christ changed eternity. Christ changed the world, and he wanted them to understand who he is. And so today as we look at John chapter 8 and verse number 12, I hope today that you will understand better who Christ is and what he did on the cross for you and for me and for for all of mankind to have eternal life and have their sins forgiven, to be taken from darkness into light. Father, thank you for Christ and I thank you for the picture that we have here in John chapter 8 and and Lord, for the testimony of the gospels. And Lord, I pray that as as you have given us these signs and given us your words so that we might know Jesus Christ and believe that he is the Son of God and he is the Savior of the world and that we would turn from our sin and, and by faith receive him. And I pray if there's somebody here today that has never accepted Christ as our Savior, may today be that day in their life. And Lord, for those of us that are believers, may we be encouraged and strengthened in our walk with you, challenged to preach the gospel in a greater way than we ever have before. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus says unto them here in verse number 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now we'll come back to this verse next week as we continue on in the context, but I wanted us to focus just on this one verse this morning and this statement made by Jesus that I am the light of the world and that through him you can be taken from darkness and you can have life. So number one, we see the statement, I am. I am. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he was declaring to the world uh, his absolute deity. He was declaring to the world that I am God in the flesh. That I am is an emphatic here in in this verse and, and emphasizing the deity of Christ. The word who had been with God, who now came and took on flesh. And so Jesus, once again, uses this emphatic ego in me, this I am, meaning that I alone, I and no other, I am the light of the world. You see, nobody else could do what Jesus came to do. 
There's no religious person, there's no religious guru, there's, there's no church, there's no religious entity, there's no um, prophet. Nobody else could come to do what Jesus was able to do as, as God. Now remember, in the eyes of the Jews, in the eyes of the Pharisees, this would be blasphemy for anyone else to say this. And so the Pharisees will, will jump on Jesus after he makes this statement and he's dogmatic once again. And, and you'll see over and over that he refers back to Exodus chapter 3 and he's, when God said, I am that I am. Look at verse 24 here in, in John chapter 8. It said, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins if ye believe not that I am he. Verse 28, Jesus said unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He. Look down at verse number 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus had, was holding no punches. I mean, he, had, he was not shy. And uh, he wasn't trying to placate them and make them feel good about themselves and, and try to soften the blow about what he, was, what he was about to say. Because the truth is, they needed to understand who he is. And we, in our world today, need to understand who he is. This is not just another man that was born of a woman, born of flesh, but this was the Son of God. This was God himself that took on flesh to come to be the payment for our sin as nobody else could and so he's emphatically telling them I am he's telling them I am God so therefore I am eternal I, I, I wasn't I didn't come into existence when I was born of the virgin and, and Bethlehem but I am God and I have always existed and I always will exist this is such an important point and we must understand in our life who Jesus is. And this is where there's a lot of confusion in our world today. And, and I think part of the confusion is caused by even Christians because we're not bold enough in our faith to, to preach the gospel and tell people who Jesus is. And, and there's even arguments and debates about Jesus and his ministry and his life, even within so-called Christianity and Christendom and all of that stuff. And, and, and we cause confusion Hey, listen, we don't need to, to have all the answers, and we don't need to, to try to uh, make people feel good about themselves and, and talk in circles and make people accept us. What we need to do is tell people that Jesus is God. And that's what people need to come to understand. And that's what the Pharisees needed. And so that's what Jesus is telling them. Hey, listen, you're so involved in your ritualistic activity and your, your religion and, and you're, you're, you're looking back to the light of God and, and you're praising God for when he walked you through the wilderness and guided you with this pillar, of, with this fire by night. But can I tell you today, standing right here before you, I am the light of the world. I am God in the flesh. That's the, that's the difference between um, Christianity and every other so-called religion out there. They look to false gods. We look to the one true God that brings eternal life, the God that came in the flesh. And so here in John chapter 12, as he's standing before them, he, he wants them to understand, I am God. Hey, do you understand that today? Jesus is God that came to die because he loves you and he loves me. Praise the Lord. God came in the flesh. 
Jesus Christ is God. And we must never forsake that. We must never be ashamed of that. And we must constantly proclaim that truth. Because apart from Jesus Christ, there is no way to eternal life. Only Christ could come. And so number two, then, we see the impact of Jesus coming, Jesus uh, being the, the light. He says here in verse number 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. There's this uh, contrast here between light and darkness. And Jesus shines brightly in a, a spiritually dark world. But I want you to think about light for just a moment. Light conquers the opposing power in this world that we call darkness. Light triumphs over darkness. And, and so John even opens up his gospel in referring to Jesus Christ and, and as the light and his essential character and his attributes as God and, and as the word and, and as the light there in John chapter 1. Jesus said, the light is come into the world, and those who believe on Christ come to the light. Those who will not believe shun it. And there's this great contrast between the light and, and darkness. Light conquers darkness, but light also brings guidance. And so the Lord um, is using this illustration here at the Feast of the Tabernacles, and, and as the as the Lord guided the people there of Israel in the wilderness and, and by this cloud and this pillar. And when the cloud moved, the people moved. And when, they, when the cloud and the fire stayed still, the, the people stayed still. And, and Jesus is the one who gives the believer guidance today. When we are in fellowship, when we're in fellowship with him, he leads us and, and he moves us and he guides us and he gives us directions. And we'll talk about this more when we come to chapter 15 about abiding in him and that personal relationship and walking in the light. But, but understand the psalmist wrote, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a, a light unto my path. And so there's this connection between Jesus being the word and being the light and the scriptures that God has that God has given us. You know, one of the great weaknesses in many Christian people's lives is their lack of Bible understanding and Bible knowledge. Their faithfulness to study the scriptures and to meditate upon them and, and to read it. And uh, we even say, well, I want to be a strong Christian, and, and, and yet we don't read the Bible. That, that doesn't make sense. They don't go hand in hand. Well, I go to church, and I hear the preaching, and I go to Sunday school, and hey, listen, you need that, and that should be a part of your life. But every day, the Bible should be a priority in our life as his word is a lamp and a light to our life. And it gives us guidance and, and direction. And we say, well, I want to know more about Jesus. And I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will not do that apart from the word of God. And so the word has to be a priority. And all throughout scripture, you see this, this, um, this relationship between the word and light and the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the light brings guidance. In the Bible, the Word of God will bring guidance in our life. And another impact is light brings protection. In the wilderness, God protected them uh, with this cloud of, 
by day and the fire by night. And I was reading this week about the, the temperatures that there would be in the wilderness, that sometimes during the day it could be 120 or more, and so the cloud would give coverage there. And sometimes at night it could get down to freezing, and, and that um, the fire would, would give warmth. And, and I don't know how much of that is true or not, um, but we do see all throughout the Old Testament God's protection of his people. And how he guided them and protected them um, from, the, from the issues of life and the struggles and the trials. He was always there in their life. And so when we think about light, light brings oftentimes security. It brings peace. It brings comfort. Uh, that's why many of you still sleep with night lights, like Mr. Parker over here and... Um, and, you know, but when you turn that light on, it's just something different than when it's complete darkness. And, uh, you know, we're kind of coming to that stage in life or in the seasons uh, here. Um, I go to bed super early. So in the summertime, it's still light outside when I, when I go to bed. And, um, and I try to go to bed when it's still light out now, but my kids want to eat dinner and stuff. And they don't want to go to bed at 5 o'clock. Um, but, you know, but now when I go to sleep, it's like pitch black. And it's just a, a different environment, isn't it? Uh, you know, you walk into a, a room and you're by yourself in there. There's a different feeling if you walk in and it's pitch black, no windows. than if you walk in and there's windows or even the light is turned on. There's just some security and protection there. And, and so when we think about this idea of, of light, and Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, I was thinking about this idea of security and protection. This isn't the point of my sermon, but, you know, I'm so glad when I trusted Christ as my Savior, my eternal salvation was secure in Him. And I know that if, when I leave this world, whether it's today or next year or five years from now or whenever it might be, I'll be with God. And I'll be with Him because of, of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a, there's a great impact that light makes on your life. Medically, there's a great impact that light makes. You know, people are more depressed in the state of Indiana in January and February than they are in June and July. A lot of that is, is there's very little light. People in Michigan are more depressed than people in Indiana. That's because of their politics, but that's another story. <laughs> there's very little light there's very little light, even less than in Indiana in the state of Michigan. And, you know, you, it's tough when you go to work and it's dark outside and you come home and it's dark outside. Like, it just, it makes you feel different, doesn't it? Light has such an impact uh, on your life. You know, the same is true about Christ. People that don't know Christ, they don't understand joy. And they don't understand peace and contentment and grace and love they might use those words, and, but they don't understand truly what it means. I mean, I, I truly have hope and expectation in Jesus Christ that, that they don't have. And it changes my outlook and it changes my attitude about, about every situation in life. But you know, I have Christ who, who conquered death and darkness. And I have Christ who now guides me and, and protects me here in this life. And, and, and that brings joy and energy and excitement in my life. And what an impact that that's made in my life. Listen, Jesus will change your world if you'll accept him as, as your savior. He'll, he'll give you eternal life, and we'll come back to that here in just a moment, but he'll change your world here, your life on a daily basis. Number three, then, I want you to see as we walk through this verse, what does it mean to follow the light? He says here in verse number 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me 
shall not walk in darkness. So what does it mean to follow him and not walk in darkness? Well, it means to believe. It means to, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you'll uh, go back to John chapter 20 sometime and read that verse that we said is kind of the, the theme verse for the Gospel of John. He says, I'm giving you these signs so that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God and knowing then believe on him. And uh, so that you would understand that he's the son of God and, and that he came and, and took on flesh and, and that he died ultimately on the cross for our sin. And he's offering the free gift of salvation. And if you'll receive that gift, then you will receive him and you will receive eternal life. And so to, to follow after him means to believe, to understand, and, and not just with your head, but with your heart and with your life, believe that everything that Jesus is saying is true. And so what does it mean to follow after him? It's, it's not about, it's not about the, the way that you live your life, which once you accept Christ as your Savior, your life will change, and I believe all of that. But it's not about the way that you live or the way that you conduct yourself or the way that you think or, or how much you give or how much you serve. That's what religion does. That's what places all around this world today that have church on their name that do not preach the gospel and do not preach the Bible and do not understand the truth. That's, that's the rituals that they're going through, even this morning, and they'll go through in their life. And yet it brings no life, it brings no joy, it has no impact on their eternity. To follow Christ means that I believe who he is. I love when Jesus asks his disciples, hey, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're Moses, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a great prophet. And Jesus says, no, who do you say that I am? Well, thou art the son of the living God. They got it. They realized, they understood who Jesus was. They believed on him, and so they were following after him. And then if once we believe, notice what it says there, if you follow after him, if you accept him as your savior, you shall not then walk in darkness. So here's really the great contrast. If you've accepted Christ as your savior and you're following him then, and you believed on him, then you are walking in the light. As a Christian, you're in the light. If you're not, then you're walking in darkness. But here's where we really struggle, especially in our American culture. You know, our life is pretty good, and we got life going well, and we have a good job, and we have great resources and material things, and we have, we have good health, and, and, and man, we, you know, we don't live in this pagan culture, and we don't have witch doctors and all that kind of things, and so we think, well, we're morally, we're, we're pretty good. Hey, rest assured, your American culture does not mean you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm as patriotic as you can be, and I'm grateful for the great country that we live in and the freedoms that we have, but being born in this country, being born in this city, that means nothing for my eternal life. If I have never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior living here in America, and countless millions are in this state, then you're, you're walking in darkness without Christ. You might give and serve and give to charities and, you know, and all these type of things, and, and be a good moral person in the eyes of men. But the Bible says you're walking in darkness. See, even in the church, sometimes we kind of get the attitude that, you know, the, the people that are walking in darkness, they're the drug dealers. 
They're the murderers. They're the people that are in prison. Those are the people that are walking in darkness. You know, but the, the little old grandmas and grumpy old grandpas, you know, that are sweet and kind and give candy and presents. I mean, those, those are the people walking in light. No, the difference is if you're unsaved, you're walking in darkness. Just like a murderer, just like a, a criminal, you're walking in darkness. If you know Christ as your Savior, then you're walking in the light. And we have to somehow get our minds wrapped around this idea. It's not about morality or the standards that we set up, but it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if we're following him, we've believed on him, we've accepted in him, then you're no longer walking in darkness. And so then number four, as we finish up, I just want to share some practical applications of walking or following Christ, being a believer in Jesus Christ and having his light in our life. Look back with me at the verse once again. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When we accept Christ as our Savior, we receive the light. We receive the light of life. And so the first application here is when we accept Christ as our Savior, Jesus lights our soul, our spirit with life. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that you that were dead in trespasses and sins, you has he quickened. You've been quickened. Or the idea is made alive. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, spiritually before that we were dead. But now we have life and life eternal. And so Jesus gives us spiritual life when we receive the light of Christ. Then we see Jesus lights our life he lights our life with wisdom. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the natural man and the spiritual man. And he says that the, the natural man is blind to these things. And they don't understand them. But the spiritual man, when he can now understand them. Why? Because when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're baptized in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes and dwells within us. And as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, know ye not that your body is the temple of God. And so the Spirit comes in our life. And, and back in John, and, and we'll see in the few weeks coming that Jesus told his disciples, when I leave, I'm going to send another comforter. And he's going he's to teach you and guide you and help you. And he's going to be that helper and comforter. And those are the titles that we use. And so when we are, receive light, we receive life, and we now can have spiritual wisdom in our life.